Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 190 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. Jacob. What's up? 190. We are 10 away from our 200th episode. Oh, boy. Man, that's that's an interesting little factoid. we got to start thinking about what we're going to do for it now. I don't know. Yeah. I have no ideas. It's too difficult to get too many people. Nobody wants to come on. Everybody's shy. It's early in the morning. Yeah, we're, we're going through like uh, 25th season Simpsons. Uh, we got to come up with some plot lines here. We're gonna oh, start I just had an idea. Ooh. What's that? I'm not going to discuss that. Oh, see that? That's, how, you, that's how it's done. I'm going to wait, but but I like it. You ever like wonder the in-depth uh, ways that we go to decide episode uh, t- themes? There you go right there. <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's very involved. <laughs> Super involved. It's definitely not us just reading what's happening in the no. world and being like, what? Des- yeah. Deciding on Wednesday night what we're going to do. <laughs> but this was an easy week to decide because um, this Saturday from when we are recording, Mm -hmm. will be Earth Day. Earth Day is an annual event that happens every April 22nd to demonstrate support for environmental protection. The first Earth Day was held April 22nd, 1970. Which is later than you would think, you know. You would, you thought would care before then. And it now includes a wide range of events coordinated globally by EarthDay.org, including one billion people in more than 193 countries. The official theme for 2022 is invest in our planet. Okay, that seems like a good idea. <laughs> it's, 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 we're going to be there for a while, so we might as well put some money into it. And we'd like it to be longer than shorter. This really is kind of like the moment. It always feels like the moment to change it all, like the business climate, the political climate, and how we just specifically take action on climate. Like. We have to start now to preserve and protect our health, our families, our livelihood. This is a weird one that we're not all on board on, I feel. We partnership for the planet. It seems a little short-sighted that everybody's not 100% on, like, preserving the environment. That seems like something we should all be like, you know what, let's let's get on that, man. You know, I'll, I'll, cu- I'll, I'll cut my six-pack uh, holders so seals don't get children. Oh, gosh, those. They made that seem like that was the biggest thing ever. I'm reading this book that... Um, you know, is in the future and is realistic, but they have like hot house, house earth, like earth, the planet has gotten too hot and there's all these issues. And one of the things they talked about that people don't care is they're like, well, one of those tech companies or whatever, they'll just invent something to fix it. And I was like, mm. that feels kind of believable that people would feel that way. You would think, but like, I don't have to do the things. It's like, well, there's no money in it. So that's, you know, they're probably not gonna, I gotta I hate to tell you that, but if there's no money in it, they're not going to invest in it. I think there's tons of money though. in um, green. It's true. Well, maybe it's maybe some of the stuff we talk about today is going to cover possibly. that topic. I mean, possibly. But there's always things you can do. This Saturday, I will be participating at Buffalo Niagara Waterkeepers Spring Sweep Cleanup. That's a heck of a title, but at the Red Jacket Riverfront Park. So they go to all the different waterfronts and you clean them up. Oh, nice. That's Stop it. throwing your garbage in the ground. Yeah. Like, you got to clean that stuff up. You know, bags go in the wind, guys. Paper gets caught on stuff. It's it doesn't so, just 
disappear. It's so sad on every like super windy day that's a garbage day somewhere and you're like, oh, the garbage is just blowing everywhere and it's real sad. I feel bad sometimes because like when I'm out, like if it's windy out or if it's garbage day, like you said, like I see garbage, I could pick it up, but I'm like, mm, it's dirty. I'm not going <laughs> to pick it up. Wow, this is not the Earth Day energy mm-hmm. I was I know, it's a sad for. confession. I got to work on that, man. I'm in full, I'm admitting a fault here. Like, okay. I got to work on that. Hey, that's how we get better. But we really do need public understanding of how to stop climate change and environmental harm. And I think a lot of listeners may be looking to lead a more eco-friendly lifestyle, but it can be really overwhelming to rethink everyday habits. But we're going to talk about some books that can provide an easy starting point to inform and inspire you. Yeah. So hopefully it will. And everybody will get out there and do some uh, tree planting and all that good stuff. All those Composting. things are good, but sometimes you just need to, you know, have a better understanding. It's it's it feels very daunting, but I think that you can discover routines that are healthier for you and more sustainable for the earth. So let's focus on that today. That's right, everybody. You don't want a tenant situation where the future comes back and tries to. I'm sorry, I was watching. Don't, that yeah, why? I sort of understood it you for watched, three seconds. Oh my gosh! I watched it again. I almost understood what was happening. I'm almost. feeling pretty proud of myself. Not exactly, but almost. <laughs> um, okay, so the first. First book I want to talk about, this is How to Prepare for Climate Change, A Practical Guide to Surviving the Chaos by David Pogue. This is a practical and comprehensive guide to surviving, you know, the greatest disaster of our time from beloved CBS Sunday Morning Science and Technology correspondent David Pogue. Do you watch that, CBS oh, Sunday Morning? I do occasionally actually catch Sunday Morning. It's that a nice little like relaxing show. That is my favorite show. It is the only news show that I actively watch. Like, I get myself out of bed to make sure that I'm watching it every Sunday. Yeah, you could imagine M- Michelle getting up early in the morning, grabbing some coffee, throwing on a blanket and seeing whatever the CBS Morning News is talking about. How could about you today? say coffee when you know me so well? Oh, that's a good point. But, you know, well, you know I'm drinking the tea. Something steaming. Um, <laughs> something se- steamy hot liquid that we get for you. <laughs> Great. So you might not realize it, but we are already living through the beginnings of climate chaos. In Arizona, laborers now start their day at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. because it's too hot to work past noon. Chinese investors are snapping up real estate in Canada. Always something to think about where people are starting to buy up property. Oh, and I've been looking and it's not there. Millennials have evacuation plans and moguls are building bunkers. Retirees in Miami are moving more inland. So in this book, How to Prepare for Climate Change, uh, David Pogue offers really sensitive and deeply researched advice for how the rest of us should start to ready ourselves for the years ahead. So he kind of walks you through what to grow, what to eat, how to build, Um, how to insure, where to invest, and how to prepare your children and pets, even, you know, when it might come time to relocating. Um, There are two areas of the country in particular that have perfect cool temperatures, good hospitals, reliable access to Mm. water, resilient Mm. infrastructure. Mm. Not going to name them. You got to find those out in the book. But he also provides wise tips for managing your anxiety because I don't know about you. But it's starting to get to me. And then action plans for riding out every climate catastrophe from superstorms and wildfires to ticks and epidemics. So it's kind of an indispensable guide. I just started it. Um, and especially if you've read some of the other books like The Sixth Extinction or The Uninhabitable Earth, 
those are so heavy and they feel kind of terrible. So this helps you to just make smart choices for the upheaval ahead. And then maybe, you know, you won't be so anxious about it. Yeah. It's good. You know, in case stuff goes bad, you want to have a plan that's going, that's going to be going. You don't want to be in a full Mad Max situation where you're just driving around like a maniac trying to get supplies <laughs> and figure out what you're doing out there. You don't so. want to be stealing gas from everyone else. But it does also feel good to be able to take care of yourself in a different sort of way. So definitely check out yeah. that book. Yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah. It sounds like a good one, man. Any kind of like guide that's going to tell you like these are tips and tricks and ways to like, especially yeah. with the anxiety, because that is an underrated part of this whole. That's huge. David Pogue also has a science podcast. Uh, which is really adorable as well. We get into little science yeah. things that you're like, I love this. Maybe future friend of the show, David Pope. Oh, we will see. I would like that. We'll see. What do you have? All right. So I decided to go with, I'm going to pick one with, uh, you remember, it's nice to see a billionaire for once that's not trying to plan his own escape from the planet. I and, do. You know, I do appreciate that. seems like too many of them are like, we need to figure a way to get out of here because it's ruined. So let's go back to one of the old billionaires. Bill Gates actually has another book out on climate mm-hmm. science. It's called How to Avoid a Climate Disaster the solutions we have, and the breakthroughs we need. So in typical Bill Gates fashion, this is kind of like he pr- he outlines a pragmatic and grounded forward-thinking economic ideas okay. on ways to, like you mentioned earlier, money is a big part of green energy, whether you're making it or you have to spend it. So he kind of gives you an idea like what's going to be involved and what, um, what we should invest in, what we should start working towards to make things a little bit better. And I mean, one of the top technology guys of all time. He's got some brains up in that skull. Yeah, I mean, the guy invented what? Is the internet guy? I don't even remember what Bill Gates did at this point. Barely anything, yeah. really. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, he pulled a he pulled a uh, Steve Jobs. He had his name on the box. Um, but he he not he's also not really pulling punches when it comes to some of the hard truths about climate um, change. Yeah, like food's gonna change, man. It's gonna become a little bit less. Um, you know, available. It's going to have to, I know people hate this, but it's going to have to be less meat Mm -hmm. reliant eventually. It's good to start now. Little things, I only eat meat twice a week now. So it's been really great to learn how to make other things. But then when you're like out and you want a burger, you're like, oh, this is one of my meat days. And then like, he's also like mentioned things like water, which like you mentioned, that's going to be a big issue going forward. That's going to be the issue. So, you know, Good, good to be living in Buffalo, it's all I'm saying. But, I mean, internationally, it's going to be a big issue in, like, the lesser developed parts of the world. So yeah. he's kind of just giving us an idea. This is what to expect, and this is the most non-emotional way to go about learn, um, doing something about it. So let's go back to one of the billionaires we trust, question mark. <laughs> trust? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know that everybody does, but the book has, I know it's gotten a lot of really good reviews, and mm-hmm. people are really into it. So Yeah, so go check that one out, everybody. Good call. Okay, this one... This is more just for everyone out there with a family. It's called Outdoor Kids in an Inside World, Getting Your Family Out of the House and Radically Engaged with Nature by Stephen Ranella. Because we really need all of the future generations to care as much about nature as is needed to to, to make a difference. And in the era of screens and devices, the average American spends 90% of their time indoors. 90% of their time. 90% and children are no exception. And not only does this phenomenon have consequences for kids' physical and mental health, it jeopardizes their ability to understand and engage with anything beyond the built environment. So 
thankfully, with the right mindset, families can find beauty and meaning and connection in a life lived outdoors. So here, this outdoors expert, Stephen Ranella, shares the parenting wisdom that he has garnered as a father whose family has lived Um, you know, in the biggest cities, in the wildest corners of America. Throughout, he offers practical advice for getting your kids radically engaged with nature in a muddy, thrilling, hands-on way with the ultimate goal of helping them see their own place within the natural ecosystem. Like, it's huge. It's an important thing. Like, people don't really do things like Boy Scouts and all that or go camping when they're kids Mm because these programs either are underfunded or they don't really, nobody... They're not as big as they once were. When we were kids, you would see commercials for them and all these I mean, kind of like you'd nature play walks outside and groups. all day, you know. Oh yeah, you didn't come inside until like till the, the streetlights came yeah. on. You, yeah. But when those streetlights came on, you better be on the porch. It's really true. But this is also like it doesn't matter your location. You might be rural or suburban or urban. You know, he has tips for everyone. There's like camping to conquer fears. It builds tolerance for dirt and discomfort. Um you know the kind of i think timeless pleasures of swapping stories around a campfire he talks about growing a vegetable garden to develop a capacity to nurture and to appreciate hard work and fishing and hunting for sustainability so all of that so living an outdoor lifestyle fosters in kids an insatiable curiosity about the world around them confidence and self-sufficiently and most importantly a lifelong sense of stewardship of the natural world. And I think this book could really help families connect with nature. Yeah, in case you didn't notice, it's been like two and a half years since those kids were really hanging out in nature to begin with. Like they've been kind of locked up the last little bit. Yeah, I feel like COVID at the beginning too, a lot of people were out, like out and hiking and stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe they weren't at work or they had more, um, you know, working from home, had more opportunities to get out. But you definitely am not seeing that. Granted, it's cold as heck. So I guess this summer will determine, but it's always good to get outdoors. Yeah, get out there as much as you can. It's supposed to be nice this weekend, everybody, for Earth Day. So, I mean, you know, I know it's not going to matter because it's going to be post the thing, but I hope you got out. and We do. We yourself. hope you did it. <laughs> All right. So speaking about liking the actual walking around in nature, let's go with a comedian's take on this, shall we? I'm going with where the deer and antelope play <laughs> the pastoral observations of one <laughs> ignorant American who loves to walk outside. <laughs> yep. That's a Nick Offerman title if I've ever heard Oh, of. I love him. So Nick Offerman's pretty much made his whole career at this point on, like, playing off his Ron Swanson character from Parks and Rec, one of the, you know, top characters like like lately yes. on TV. So basically he also with, loves the great outdoors. He does. Even his podcast uh, with his wife that they yeah. talk about like going into nature a lot. Um so what this one basically is, it's a um it's an entertaining and funny musings by Offerman. Um basically talking about nature, the community we live in. Um, he also surprisingly has a lot to say about ecology and historical perspectives on nature while kind of given the subject matter through more of a, you know, actors or heartwarming kind of way. Like, again, I hate to bring up Swanson again, but it's like if you look at the way that he would talk about like things in nature as opposed to how he would talk about people in general, it was always much more of a loving kind of caring way. And it's kind of what Offerman continues to do in his work now. Like he's done other books about um, going through nature. Yeah, he has. They definitely based a lot of Ron Swanson on him. Like he's a woodworker. Like all of those things were natural to him anyway. Oh, yeah. So like this guy is he's not just like, you know, taking on a fake Hollywood persona. This is stuff that he actually knows about and actually likes. 
So he knows what he's talking about. So you can actually feel that in his writings a little bit when he yeah. starts talking about it. So, And he's a comedian, so you get to see it in an entertaining, not as bland way. No offense to Bill Gates. Yeah, but but this is a little more, a little I, more I, something I to it. I think what he's going to write is going to be a little dry at times. It's just a guess, but... Um, but, um, yeah, so go check it out. I definitely, I definitely will. So this one, this is just giving you an idea, I think, more worldwide of what's going on. This book is called The World As We Knew It, Dispatches from a Changing Climate. Um, it has multiple authors, but the editors are Amy Brady and Taja Eisen. So in um, this riveting anthology, leading literary writers reflect on how climate change has altered their lives, revealing the personal and haunting consequences of this global threat. So in the opening essay, National Book Award finalist Lydia Millet mourns the end of the saguaro cacti in her Arizona backyard due to drought. Later, we have Omar al Akkad, who contemplates how the rise of temperatures in the Middle East is just destroying his home. Um, Gabrielle Bellet reflects on how a bizarre lionfish invasion devastated the coral reef near her home in the Caribbean. Hmm. Um, and then traveling through Nebraska, Therese Zivoboda witnesses cougars running across highways and showing up in kindergartens. So, wow. I know, as the stories unfold from Antarctica to Australia, New Hampshire to New York, it's an intimate portrait of a climate changing world. I mean, that's what really emerges from these pager, pages, and it's captured by writers whose actual lives really, you know, jostle against everything that's happening and have been transformed in startling ways. So, you know, it may help you to see how this is a worldwide thing and that we all need to really focus and work together. I mean, the that desert part, that's very interesting because that's actually going to be put into like worldview again this summer because the World Cup is being held in Qatar again. Mm. So they're going to be running around in the summer in the desert playing the World Cup. Yeah, that's wild. So it's going to be like 120 degrees outside. So they're always worried about players falling out. And like the temperatures have gone up so much around there that it's something that people so really much. should be asking, what is going on here? I mean, think about it. People working at 3 a.m. because yeah. they can't work past noon. I mean... I mean, that sounds almost fantastic until you try to imagine getting up at three in the morning. That that sounds terrible. But yeah, if you have yeah. to, if you can only work at night, that's like a science fiction movie kind of plot. That's not something we should be we, it's something we should be looking into and definitely trying to mitigate as yeah, much as we can. For sure. So, OK, one of the questions we have that a lot of people do is when we're doing these green products and everything, what is the cost to produce them? So one mm. author was like, you know what? Let's take a look at this. So okay. Georgina Wilson-Powell uh, wrote, Is It Really Green? Everyday Eco Dilemmas Answered. So what she wants to delve into is as like green energy and green living has kind of gained in popularity, she kind of wanted to look at to see how useful it actually is the way we're doing it currently. Is it actually efficient or is it actually causing more harm than it is? And especially doing. like companies will just label things anything that they want people to purchase it. Yeah, and it just, might not be honest. You just put the word green in yeah, the title exactly. and people are like, oh, I'm going to get that. I'm being eco friendly. I won't actually read what's in it. So what she did was she kind of went through issues like the environment, recycling, biodegrading, and plastic use. Um, and how ingrained they are in our everyday, day-to-day -day lives. So she wanted to find out um, what does it take to make these products and what effect are they going to have in the environment. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, and how um, beneficial to the environment is it even to produce green stuff? Like, are we saving carbon by making, by changing the way we're making um, goods and services, or is it kind of just 
making a new problem instead of the one we have currently. So, mm. or is it like when people drink Diet Coke instead of regular Coke, for instance, because they think it's better for you? It's like no, it's not necessarily better it's for you. It's just worse in a different way. Yeah, yeah, so that's a good call. It's good that somebody's actually tackling that question of I know we all want to do the best, but. By doing our wanting to do our best, are we actually doing what's best? I mean, that's why it's great. That's why, like, the library is here. Find this info so that, I mean, there's a lot out there. You know, this helps kind of pick out the things that are going to get you where you need to be quicker. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you should do some research into things before you just blindly jump into them. It's always a good idea to kind of have an idea of what you're doing instead of having no idea what you're doing. So It's, it's helpful. That's the way I've lived with um, Okay, so the next one we did just discussed, this is the climate diet, 50 simple ways to trim your carbon footprint by Paul Greenberg. I really do think that most of us, whether we like it or not, when you look in the mirror, we can admit that we desperately need to go on a climate diet. Oh, yeah. The, but the task of cutting down our carbon em, carbon emissions feels overwhelming, and the discipline required is really hard to summon. So with the climate diet, um, and Paul Greenberg is an award-winning food and environmental writer, writer, he offers us the practical, accessible guide that we really need. It contains 50 achievable steps that we can take to live our daily lives in a way that's friendlier to the planet from what we eat, to how we live at home, how we travel, how we lobby businesses and elected officials to do the right thing. So it's just like chock full of simple yet relevatory guidance. The climate diet will empower you to cast aside these feelings of hopelessness, which I think are permeating through everything, and start making positive changes for the good of the planet. I mean, yeah, it's... It's, I know. It's, I, it's, it's, it stinks it's, to think about everybody. But. It's stressful, but this is it. We have to just make these changes. There's no buts about it. Yeah. I'm, it's just one of those things that's got to happen, guys. You just look at the metrics on it. You do the math, and you just it's just going to count. It's going to get worse and worse over time. Like, it's something you definitely need to yeah. start thinking more of. You can't just keep eating all this food. and Yeah. It's just not going to be good for it us. It stinks. I want to be lazy all the time. I love being lazy. It's I my mean, favorite thing in the world. We get, we get it. We oh. really get it. Thinking, <laughs> thinking about doing stuff? Oh, it sounds exhausting. Man. I don't want to do that. Oh, I know. I'd sit around and play Elden Ring all day. That sounds like a much better time. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, okay. So, next book I got here is by Jenny Romer, and it is called Can I Recycle This? A Guide to Better Recycling and How to Reduce Single-Use Plastics. So here in New York State, one of the things that they do is they are kind of getting rid of the single-use ba- um, plastic bags. Which I support. Yeah, which I do too. Um, so everybody's going to like a more of paper bags because they're biodegradable. But, you know, even when you go to plastic bags, single-use going, well, half of the groceries that I get are wrapped in plastic or some tin foil or some kind of horrible, like, non-thing that's never going to disappear. It's going to be sitting in a landfill for the next 2,000 years. I saw bananas in the grocery store once wrapped in plastic, and I was like, they're wrapped in their own thing. Wait, wait, hold on. Why would you wrap bananas It was like, in f- I don't know, it was like four bananas on a styrofoam plate with the plastic wrapping the whole thing. Oh, it's man. the worst thing ever, well, I know. What are they going to do next, throw the bananas in the fridge or something like that? <laughs> Got to keep them cool. <laughs> um, so basically what she does is uh, she mixes some practical information with, um, you know, shots and of hope because... For some reason, a lot of people get really depressed when they look at the um, the bag situation. I don't understand what it is. That They're depressed that there's 
going to be less plastic bags? Well, both ends of it. People are depressed that there's just so many in the environment and that the other people get depressed that they don't get to use them anymore because they have to start using the plastic ones I don't, or paper ones. Yeah. I don't know. So this one kind of gives you an idea like we can actually turn this around and move forward with the bag idea. Um, so what she does is she uses like wit and charm to kind of give these stories and anecdotes to try to give you an idea of... Anecdotes help. Yeah. Because... <laughs> You know, it's a weird topic, and but it's one that we need to really um, confront because plastic is one of those things that's just, it's very useful kind of thing to have, but they're also horribly destructive going forward for us in the environment. Because yeah. like I said, they don't disappear. <laughs> People like ignore that, but it's like they don't, I know you throw them on the ground and they roll down the street, but they <laughs> don't gone. go anywhere. Yeah. Even on that movie, even Castaway, they're always like, oh, look at this. Every day something's going to wash up in the farthest regions of nothingness. So Yeah. You know, I think we've mentioned this before, but it's one of my favorite George Carlin bits where he's he's actually talking about the plastic bags. And he's like, everybody's complaining about plastic bags, this and that. He's like, you don't know. He's like, maybe the earth loves plastic bags. Maybe it's like, oh, I can't wait to collect all this plastic. They're like, the plastic bags aren't going to hurt the earth. They're like, the earth has Earthquakes, volcanoes, meteors have hit it. The continents have shifted. He's like, the Earth will be fine. <laughs> He's like, we're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're killing ourselves. The Earth's going to rebound. So I was like, well, I guess that's a little comforting. Yeah, that's, that's something. It's going to make a new plastic continent when we're all gone. <laughs> I think he also was uh, very into, like, I think he also mentioned that, like, maybe humanity's own purpose is because nature was like, I need plastic, but yeah. I don't know how to make it. So I'm going <laughs> to so make you for exactly for that. So. <laughs> and the, it'll get so hot on Earth, it's going to melt the plastic into this hard shape, and it will be this whole new continent. Maybe the, uh, maybe the Earth's just cold. And it's like if I shrink wrap myself, <laughs> I can stay young forever and warm. Again, though, we will all be dead. Mother Nature, man. We laugh instead of cry. Talk, talk, talk <laughs> about a forward thinker, am I right? Okay. So here's a book again. I love the ones that get you out into nature. This is called Leave Only Footprints My Acadia to Zion Journey Through Every National Park by Connor Knighton. Ooh, that also fun. another CBS mo Sunday morning correspondent. Love them. <laughs> But he decides to set off to explore America's, um, you know, national parks. He thinks it's the best idea he's ever had. And then while he's doing it, he's like, this was the worst idea. Yeah, sounds but, terrible. But. Well, he ended up, he had like a broken engagement and a broken heart. So he needed that like change of scenery. And he cooked up this plan um, that in one year he was going to visit every national park in the country. Okay. Okay. So he shares informative and entertaining dispatches from what turned out to be the road trip of a lifetime. So whether he's waking up early for a little bit of a naked scrub in a historic bathhouse in Arkansas or Ew. staying up late to stargaze along the loneliest highway in Nevada, he's really weaving together the type of stories that you, you know, you're not likely to find in any standard guidebook. And I think through his unique lens, America you know, the beautiful really comes out as America the captivating and sometimes hilarious and inspiring. So um, along the way is really identifying the threads that tie all of these wildly different places together and that tie us to nature. So I don't know. I think it, the book is really a celebration of and a passionate case for the natural wonders 
that all of Americans share. The more that you get out and explore it and appreciate its beauty, I feel like this is the first step to people really caring and wanting to make some of these changes. Yeah. Get out there and see how magical it is. We have to stop destroying it, please. Just stop putting up concrete everywhere, folks. Nature is much cooler looking. I know yeah, it's stop got mosquitoes. cutting the trees down. I know it's got mosquitoes in it, and I understand, and it's muddy, but you know, you just gotta look past <laughs> all that. You know, you'll be fine. You'll be all right. You can wash stuff. Put on, put, wear some sleeves. You'll uh, be all right. I'm super excited for May because I'm going to four of the national parks. Oh, And nice. maybe I'll never return. That's possible. Maybe I'll just stay in the desert. Sounds great. You know, hollow out a tree and live that hobbit life, just mm, kind of like living. That's wonderful to me. Cat, <laughs> Katniss Everdeen yourself in a tree top, like get a tree house up there. Does sound pretty fun. I, gotta I mean, admit. why'd you have to pick Katniss Everdeen? That's like the worst person to oh. want to be. She was also attempting to be murdered living in her I'll tell you authoritative why, because society. The Epics Network basically just plays the Hunger Games oh, movies so back to back to back to back on loop, so it's just always on, man. Oh. Every day, time I look around, there's some kid getting thrown into an arena oh that's that's funny well we're practically out of time do you want to throw one more in and then we can save the rest for another Uh, green episode the the story of more how we got to climate change and where to go from here by hope jaron she basically just it's a quick read she basically gives you some vital um information about how climate change is where it is how we got here what it is all about you know it's one of those quick ones like bam 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 we're just going to give you the information you do whatever you want with it no flourishes just straight info you're gonna like it go check that one out it's gonna be helpful okay great well before i have jacob uh, plug us up i do want to mention that people might not know the library do has has a newest book club which is called the nature book club Mm. so we meet quarterly kind of around the change of the season and discuss books connected to the natural world so the next book that we will be reading and discussing is silent spring by rachel carson which was the book that really launched the modern global environmental movement so yeah check on the website to find out where and when and now jacob please plug us up. Ah, so if you are looking for some more environmental friendly books or some ways that you can uh, live a more green life, stop on by your local library. We got 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Stop on by and tell them you're looking for some environmental books that are not electronic using electricity that's made by burning coal that shoots up into the environment (laughs) and then causes smog and all kinds of lung disease Uh. around the world. It's better to just read the book, everybody. Yeah. We're not going to get into the talk about how you make paper, but let's discuss <laughs> it for another day. Um, don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod and let us know what your Earth Day was all about. Yeah, so did you know that U.S. Senator Gaylord Nelson founded Earth Day after witnessing a massive oil spill that leaked millions of gallons of oil off the coast of Santa Barbara in 1969? No. was so grossed out that it was like that's it we have to like do a thing to make people care he ran and out there with his dove soap and he's just throwing it on all the birds all those poor birds on the very first earth day more than 2,000 colleges and universities 10,000 public schools and 20 million citizens participated which is about 10 percent of the u.s population at the time that's pretty impressive man a good start we can definitely keep doing that it's estimated now that over a billion people participated participate in Earth Day every year, making it the largest secular observance in the world. Oh, that's cool. I love I, I, I did not know Earth Day would be number one. I don't know what I thought it would be, but not, not that. Heck yeah. And then did you know that this artist, 
Abhay Oh, nailed it. Penned the Earth Anthem, which is a song celebrating the Earth and its people in 2008. The Earth Anthem was published in 2009 and has since been translated into around 100 different languages. It's kind of the Earth Day song. I'm not going to lie. It's terrible, but a lot of popular artists have covered it, so maybe it will work for you. Maybe. Wow. I was going to play it to take the show out, and I was like, I can't even do that. I, 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 myself, <laughs> I myself always go back to the Captain Planet theme song. Now, that is my environmental tune. Like, it's still in my head. 30 years later, I still think about it. That's your head, Jacob. Um, but these, you know, if you always need a reason to remember why we're talking about this, animal populations worldwide have declined by 50% since the first Earth Day celebration. That's a problem, folks. That's a huge problem. Do you want to be eating bug popsicles and such because you can't find any other form of protein? I know I don't. I love that you wanted to save the animals just to eat them. Anyway, Earth Day is important. It has spurred various forms of legal action. It can be successful. It was originally intended as a teach-in. Earth Day 1970 led to the establishment of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency the same year. The Clean Air Act was passed the same year. And recent examples include the Paris Agreement. I mean, these things can happen. We can make change, make your voice heard. Um, We hope that you enjoyed Earth Day. Continue to appreciate the world around you. (laughs) And we will catch you next time. Bye.